Hey everybody, welcome back to Savage with Silas. Today is episode six featuring our friend Miguel. He is a trainer in the military and we actually met because we both played for the same football league here in Korea. We'll have an interesting conversation about training in the military, shark attacks, and all kinds of other crazy stories. So if you have any questions for Miguel, please feel free to drop those in the comments or send us an email over here. On today's episode, we will talk about military training, boot camp, shark attacks, and different approaches to the military fitness examination. We also hear some really fun stories from Miguel about crazy experiences that he's lived through. Next week will be our final episode of season number one, and this will feature Aaron, who's also a member of the military. So it'll be interesting to hear what their different perspectives are on the training protocols that the military experiences. Oh, one other quick note. This was originally an Instagram live, so you will hear some interaction with the audience as you go through this episode. So don't be surprised if you hear questions come out of the blue. Those are from the live chat. Oh, hey, well, that was instant. <laughs> yeah, I was playing on my phone. <laughs> like pushing all the buttons. Well, hi, what time is it there? Uh, 6.30 at night. That's right. Man, I haven't been in America in so long. I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> oh, I miss Korea. So I actually got the opportunity to go back, so I'm weighing that right now. Oh, really? You're coming yeah. back over? Maybe, maybe. You got to see what's uh, going on with uh, my career steps. Sure. So how long have you been in the Army, actually? Uh, six years. Last March now, officially. Whoa, that's a long time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious because you and I talked a little bit about what you're currently doing with the army, and I'm I'm really curious, like what your role is with them right now. <laughs> um, I'm the jack of all trades and the master of nothing. <laughs> I can empathize. <laughs> I'm in a similar boat. Oh, there it goes. So yeah, right uh, right now, um, what I'm trying to do is uh, I just got. Uh, the option to go to class to be a master fitness trainer and therefore I'd be training my soldiers, you know, on pretty much like healthy diets, how to maintain, uh, you know, their current body, how to lose gang weight in whatever way they want to, how to progress, whether, you know, it's like slow twitch muscles or fast twitch muscles, depending if they want to be faster or, you know, have better sprinting or even like long distance endurance type of stuff. So that kind of general area. Nice. So does does their training usually depend on what job they're doing or is it more like personal interest? Um, well, so when I first got in, it was all a basic concept of, you know, you take someone, you got first, you want to get them into shape and you want, you know, want to maintain that. And uh, from there on, they had the concept with this new uh, PT test that they're calling uh, the ACFT. And that was entitled to be for different jobs, but they realized that it's going to make it a broad across the spectrum. And depending on where you place, it's going to put you just like on a percentage of how, I guess, athletic you are. Okay. So, yeah. But obviously, if you go into a, you know, a more specialized unit, you will have to train more depending on what your job title is, whether it be an infantry, you know, special operations or aviation special operations. It depends on what you're doing. 
Sure. So each specific field has, you know, more specified, like more specified training, which makes sense. How, how is the ACFT different? I was looking at some of this on YouTube and it looks like that test has actually changed quite a bit because it was just two minutes, two minutes, two miles. Yeah. Um, so that was our APFT. And uh, so that was like the general thing when I got it. And we're still kind of doing that now. We're still trying to figure out the whole ACFT. The ACFT, in my mind, makes a lot more sense because we're doing a lot more. I mean, I get you got to run and all that stuff, but, you know, lifting heavy weights, you know, if someone, you know, is injured and you got to pick them up to move them, that's where our deadlift comes in. And also our sprint drag carry is thrown to that. The two miles is on that as well, but, you know, the time duration is longer uh, for you to pass. More focused on upper body with the leg tuck. Um, there's a ball toss. I'm not really sure where the ball toss comes into play with that, but may just throw something. And uh, am I missing anything else? Oh, and the hand release push-up. Those are the new, that's the new uh, ACFT. Yeah. Mm. I th the hand release push-up to me just looks kind of funny. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of this, uh, almost like a dance move on the ground. But yeah. I really agree. I, I feel like the ACFT is, is more comprehensive in terms of like full body muscle strength and, and endurance. Right. And, and I'm curious, you know, for, for people who are in the military, what kind of training takes place outside of doing this test? Like, do you, do you specifically train those movements or are there other things that, that you work on as well? So there is a, a, like a basic workout like program that they do. And, you know, it has basic what is range. It's been around for a while now. I honestly not sure how long it's been around, but it's based off of like all age groups from like 18 to around like 40 years old so that everyone can do it. And each of those uh, workouts was integrated in a way that it would be some sort of movement that you would use while like deployed or doing something army, like doing lunges, you know, uh, maintaining a low profile and keeping your legs strong, um, mm -hmm. uh, doing like a weird, like uh, what they call like a crab walk, like ducking, you know, making sure you can, just, I guess, stay low. Um, sorry, what was the question? <laughs> oh, that was perfect, that answer. I, I'm kind of, I'm also curious, you know, like you had mentioned when we were talking before coming on here that there were some like really crazy situations that you've been in, um, in, in the military before. And, you know, now that, now that you're kind of talking about like staying low and ducking, that's not something I ever really thought about, but now it seems like quite obvious that that's something you would have to do. Yeah. That was like uh, basic for like most uh, infantry level stuff. I mean, when you go into basic training, you're infantry, but then when I specializes into the field, into their own field, and uh, we were joking around, like, with the new sprint drag carry, we can sprint with our toolboxes back and forth because we're mechanics. And that was our joke, saying that's how we get strong. But, yeah. It's not, it's not a bad approach, lifting stuff. I feel that way. I'm a teacher during the day, so I feel like picking up children works as, you know, a bicep curl. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. So before you, before you came to Korea... For, for people in the audience, this is actually kind of how, how Miguel and I overlapped. We both played for KFFL, which is a Korea flag football league. Uh, we played at different times, but we're in some, the same Facebook group, which is how we overlapped. Um, and you had mentioned that before you were actually here in Korea, you played football in high school. Yep. 
Right. How so, did you plan? Um, so I guess football for me was – I played baseball before. It was too slow pace. Got into mm -hmm. football. I was like, oh, yeah, I love just, you know, smashing heads and, you know, having this good adrenaline <laughs> rush and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went to college for a little bit, played a semester, realized I didn't like school, joined the Army, flew out to Korea, find out they're doing flag football over there. Uh, the first season I made, we had a team. We were the Scroopy Noopers. The second season, we were a uh, great success, which was not a great success. And then I joined the Saints, and uh, that was the team that I like stuck with towards the end. Yeah, they have a good reputation. You know, the Saints had a good reputation. People thought they were, like, fun, good players, strong. <laughs> oh, yeah. So you hated university so much that you bailed, which I can totally empathize with. What made you want to switch to the Army specifically? Um, the fact that I was going in debt and not making money for a job I wasn't really sure I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, that was that. And uh, honestly, I just wanted a different, wanted a different change of pace and – I was like, all right, it's time to get out of the Northeast and talk to uh, the recruiter. I'm like, when the students I can leave? He said two weeks. I said, sign me up, and I lucked out. Whoa. And that's a really quick turnaround. You know, like, okay, I'm going to be studious and study. Just kidding, on an airplane, bye. <laughs> yeah, it was cool because, you know, it was fast-paced. It just happened, and, you know, the Army is kind of chaotic, but I love it. It's uh, organized chaos, and it's just – it's fun. That's awesome. I, I did a, a lot of uh, YouTube research. I don't know if that counts necessarily. But I was watching these videos of people entering basic training. And I'm curious what your experience was when you joined. <laughs> There's rumors, you know? <laughs> it was a blast. Um, I'm sure it's different now because, you know, they're constantly switching it up to, you know, to the different, you know, types of people that come through. And uh, when I went, I remember the first day I got there, they made me stay awake for 24 hours. And then they just started questioning us on all the stuff they questioned us before to see if we were lying about things. And that was kind of interesting. And then uh, I think it was day two or three, we, after we got all our gear, we got on a bus, we put a bag over our head. <laughs> and then we drove on a bus to our, I guess, our the training location where we started like day zero and as soon as the bus stops you hear people just start yelling you get off the bus they're all screaming at you and you just start running and uh, someone else like drops off your bag and there's just these piles of bags they're like hurry up get your crap blah 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 and we're all just like looking around to see which one's ours and then when we get it we all get like follow them to the formation and you know if we don't do it with a certain timeline then they tell everyone to stop and we all start doing push-ups and it's a uh, it's called a shark attack the shark attack it's like it's infamous it's funny because when i looked up army basic training like there's just so many videos of people talking about the shark attacks and i i thought it was really interesting because the first one that i watched was a person that i thought really probably didn't respond very well where they were like the shark terrible and i hated it and it was miserable but then i heard the perspective from sergeants who were actually in charge of this and they're like it's to let them know that we're their boss right that we're in charge of the situation and then after the shark attack right everything kind of calms down and that's when the real like training and working together i don't know if calms down is the right, <laughs> right but less, a little less intense
Yeah. So like I, as the months or the weeks go on, you go into different phases. It's red, white, and blue phase. And when you hit the blue phase, it's uh, more relaxed and not, you know, as uptight, but it's still maintaining that discipline because day one, they break you down. You ain't no one. And they slowly build you up with what the army needs. Mm. So it's taking the, the bare bones and building up from there. So filling in these skills and filling in, you know, the mental attitude, I think that would be necessary to be in the military right? and, and dealing with really severe, sorry about that, really severe and like uh, difficult situations. Right. And I, I think we're pretty lucky to live in a time that's not incredibly crazy. I mean, comparatively anyway, but uh, you know, I don't know what what's been like the hardest the the biggest struggle in your military career for you the hardest um well i myself is working on my patience and i'm not a very patient guy and that's a that's a good question what is the hardest thing i i mean i I don't want to say it's being away from the family so long and not being able to spend all the time with them and, you know, seeing, like, my nephews grow up and stuff. And But, you know, when I get to go back, you know, I get to spend time with them as much as I can. And I think that, you know, helps. Because mm. we, we do get a lot of a lot of free time off in the military. You get, what, two and a half days every month you can take off when it builds up on your leave so you can crew that and take about 30 days, go home wherever you want to or all that. That's amazing. So I'm glad they give you an opportunity. It's not like, you know, you just, you disappear into, you disappear into base forever. How, how long are, are deployments typically if you do go overseas? Uh, right now they're ranging around nine months. Um, again, depending on like what kind of unit you're with my unit, um, since we're just like regular army. Mm -hmm. Um, so we have some guys who are still on the backside of the Afghanistan tour and they should be back here any month and they left. Uh, about eight months ago so um some units will do it for like three months rotation stuff i know back when stuff was popping off like in iraq and afghanistan a 15-month tour wouldn't be you know out of the ordinary sure so it kind of just depends on what the situation is and what's needed well, and that makes sense you know i i was pretty young uh when the situation was going on. Yeah. I think a, a member of your, of your team's in here. Yeah. That's a really sweet comment. <laughs> uh, yeah. When, when I was younger, there were, there were actually a lot of people that I knew just by proxy um, that were going into, you know, Afghanistan, Iraq. There were a few people in Syria a long, long time ago. Uh, they were gone for what seemed like forever, but I feel that those times have gotten a lot shorter. So it's kind of interesting that they, that they change it, but it makes sense. You know, things are not as, I, I like what you said, popping off. It's not popping off right now so much, which is a great. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it depends again. I mean, I know things at my level, so I wouldn't say it's popping off right now. I mean, not unless, you know, World War Three happens. Like, oh, it's popping off. Let's go, you know. <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed yeah. prospects you know uh goodness so how how many times have you done uh gone on deployment um so they they count korea as a deployment i guess anytime you leave 
uh, the states or, you know, you go to the training events, the deployment, but there's also like combat event uh, deployments, which is different, which I sadly missed out on because I got COVID last year and I oh, no. to Afghanistan. So, um, but uh, other than that, my only overseas tour would be uh, Korea as of right now. How long were you here, actually? I was there for two years. Yeah, it was originally supposed to be one year, but I liked it so much. I'm like, let's say another. Yeah, Korea's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Did you choose to, to come to Korea? Nope. Uh, after airborne training, they just said, hey, you're going to Korea. I'm like, what? They're like, yep. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Which base were you on here? Were you in Pyeongtaek? Uh, nope, uh, Songnam, uh, like where Segotok Sagari, like up this, like right outside Seoul City, um, it's on the Korean uh, Air Force Base, and we're just like a one mile landing strip over there. Oh, great! I actually do know where that is because I live in Songnam. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. We're in a really similar spot. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really strange because my experience in in the United States with military people was really minute other than people that I knew like in other people's families or extended relatives I didn't actually know anyone in the military but now you know living in Korea there's actually a very high proportion of people that I know that are in you know the army and I met a few guys from the navy I didn't even know the navy was here oh until yeah Busan yeah Busan is bumping with sailors <laughs> yeah. Busan is a very fun place very fun. Uh, actually, this was not a planned question, but I am very curious. Like, of all the places that you went in Korea, what was your favorite? What did you? Where did you like to go? Hmm. Hmm. The <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Itaewon was super cool for like bar hopping and stuff, and it was just you know so many different cultures exposed me to so much because I'm from you know a small area where you don't get all this exposure and just seeing, you know, just like almost every single country on one strip, and, you know, different types of food and all that stuff. And, you know, that was fun. Also, uh, going, I think it's Myeongdong where they have all like the street food and that, that was really cool. And checking out all the shopping and, uh, Latte Tower was really close to me. So I'd always like ride my bike there and that was always fun to hang out and just go get food and, just this huge freaking tower and the whole area was awesome. I mean, Seoul was definitely one of the coolest places I've ever been in. It's definitely one of the best cities right next to Boston. Boston's number two, Seoul's number one. New York is like number 50. <laughs> <laughs> New York can keep that title. Sorry if there's any New Yorkers in the room. Yeah, right. but you're, I, yeah I agree actually. I don't know. Seoul, I think, yeah. I, I have to say, you know, having been to a lot of cities, never New York, but being to a lot of cities, Seoul's definitely near the top in terms of just, like, convenience. And it's kind of like walking through a sci-fi movie sometimes. Future like, <laughs> it's It's awesome. It's like, because I remember when you could get the chip and you could put it in your phone and you just pay for the taxi or pay for the subway. I'm like, these guys are living the future. They're doing it right public transportation was the best. I'm like, why don't we have bullet trains in America? Like, we need those. Seriously. And now they have it so you just scan your phone. Yeah. Like, literally just go boop, and it takes your money out of your bank account. It's crazy. The yeah, future awesome. And it's in Seoul. <laughs> yeah. It's cool. Especially, you know, you take the bullet train. I think it's in Songnam. 
it's a little north of it, but it goes all the way down to Busan and it hits, you know, Daegu and everything in between. And that's, mm -hmm. that's awesome. It's only like 14 bucks maybe. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I haven't been on the train. I haven't gone anywhere because of Corona. Oh, so is that still like rampant? Do they, is everyone kind of like restricted over there still? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They've been really dragging their feet with uh, vaccination. So I think they thought like, oh, it'll just disappear or something. So they didn't actually purchase vaccines. Um, we, I think we're at maybe 1% inoculation and that's a pretty generous estimate for the population. Uh, so it might be a while <laughs> before we're allowed to just live our lives again, but that's okay. How's, uh, how's it in the military? Everybody's gotten vaccinated at this point for the most part. No, uh, they we got the option to. They did a study, and something like 0.06% of the military accepted it. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's just because uh, I think when the anthrax first came out, you know, there are some issues with that, and people kind of still think of that. Um, but there's going to be a point in time when the army's like, you have to take this. Busan, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. What happens in Busan stays in Busan. Um, <laughs> Uh, at one point in time, the army's going to be like, yeah, everyone's getting this. You don't have a choice. Um, but as of right now, we, we are just like up for, you know, yes or no. I mean, because like I've gotten my smallpox shot. That was a requirement to go to Korea. Also, we get anthrax loaded up in us like every other year, it seems like. Mm. Yeah. So a lot of the, the vaccinations are only mandatory in like specific situations then. Yeah, especially if you go overseas, they want to make sure you're vaccinated because, like, when all of the militias over in the Middle East, you know, had access to chemical weapons, you want to make sure that, you know, we have a better survival chance for when we go in, you know, worst case scenario, that's let loose somehow and we are exposed to it. Mm. It's like preparing for all situations, right? Physical, mental, and physical of all variety, right? So strength training being being resistant to morbid mosquitoes yeah. and all, all of the things gosh i never even thought about it i didn't get a vaccination for anything before i came here maybe i should have <laughs> uh, well i think that was more because of like what north korea had and i was just like eh, just in case prepare for the worst hope for the best that's actually oh i like that saying i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it i feel like i've heard it before but I've forgotten this somehow. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, when you when you're working with people, like if, if you do come back to or you come to um, any any other country for deployment, you know, as a as a master trainer, when you finally do complete, you know, your training for that, what what is your like daily life look like when you're trying to help people um, achieve their missions? <laughs> So, honestly, um, since I haven't actually been to the school and taught, I'm not really sure. And I've never honestly seen another master fitness trainer. I've seen one, and he just kind of, you know, administers the PT test and does the body fat composition, you know, with the old school. I'm pretty sure it's been around since World War II, but we take people and then we weigh them, which I think we could go to a more sophisticated version of that, like using a bod pod or something, because when mm -hmm. I – my body fat index, it was like 22%. When I did the bod pod, I was 16. I'm like, I'm going to go with the technology on this one. Not something we had around since World War II. But honestly, uh, me always, you know, 
loving, you know, not loving, but, you know, having a, a somewhat like for being physically fit, I was, I, I, I like, you know, helping other people out. So we learn how to weight train, get big, all that stuff. And then, you know, there's other people in the army who are like that too. And I love learning from them because I learned something new, different kind of workout, you know, different like muscle groups. Like I learned the other day that there's a lot, like a long head on your bicep. I didn't even know about that. I was just, you know, doing curls, but he told me if I do it this way, I can hit a different muscle on there. Like, oh, that's cool. But, uh, um, being a, uh, a sergeant, you know, our basic thing is making sure everyone stays in shape in the morning. Zero six thirty PT. That's, that's a basic, you know, workout. Um, you know, if people choose to do more after that, you know, that's up to them. And, you know, if they need help with that, we're more than likely to help them. We're not more like we will. That's our job. You know, like we have guys who didn't pass their PT test. So now they're doing a workout in the morning. We do another workout sometime after lunch to get them ready to get them, you know, so when the PT test comes up again, they'll be ready to go when all their paperwork's good and they're ready to just, you know, get back into doing what they're normally doing prior to it. Sure. So there, there is space for people who don't necessarily already have the physical capabilities to pass those tests. Because, you know, that's something that I think about for for years. I was very deconditioned and I didn't have the ability to to I definitely couldn't do a two mile run super easily. I'd probably die at the end of it a long time ago. And so it's it's like there there is space for people who don't necessarily come into the army being like super ripped and ready to to jump out of helicopters oh, and I was so out of shape when I joined. I was two hundred and forty pounds, so I was bulking up. I was getting ready for next football season and you know, I was just trying to put on as much weight as possible. And then I start doing long distance running. I'm like, this is fucking hard. And <laughs> after three months, uh, I think I dropped down to 195. Mm. I was running everywhere, but I noticed my, my calves got so much smaller because I went from sprinting to long distance. And, and yeah, I think I'm at a good balance right now where I can still do that, but also, you know, go play flag football down in Colorado Springs and try to maintain it all. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. I'm I'm curious what the 6:30 a.m. physical fitness training is that that you guys do every single day. Um. Well, I guess it varies on the unit. Um. Normally, it'd be set up like Monday you do a run, uh, Tuesday you do muscle building like push-up setups, Wednesday run more muscle, Friday run type of thing. Um, but you know, that, that gets very obnoxious in my mind and I try to keep it fresh for a soldier. So, you know, like one day we'll do like this Taekwondo, like stretching thing that one of our soldiers knows. I'm like, Oh yeah. I mean, it's staying fit. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. We're all stretching. We need a stretch. Let's do that every Wednesday. And, uh, some days we'll go to the gym and, you know, as long as everyone's doing something, either have to make them work out, but you know, if I can trust them to do it on their own, let them go run around and just, you know, pick stuff up and put it down and get strong. You know, we got to stay running no matter how much everyone hates it. We have little sprint days and we'll have like a long distance day. You know, there'll be some days where we just go as a group and we do a very slow pace all together. You know, mm -hmm. some days we'll just walk with a backpack on with like 35 pounds and, you know, do what we call a ruck. Sure. Like a rucksack. Rucksack, exactly. I forgot about that expression until now. So like spicing it up, right? So you don't get super bored just trying to do the same thing and always constantly trying to challenge each other do you guys wake up when do you when do you wake up usually well <laughs> i guess it depends on the person i live 15 minutes away so i love my sleep i wake up last minute and i'm always rushing to work but I, <laughs> I, 
But, you know, uh, my friend on the other hand wakes up at 4 o'clock every morning. He's like, I like to get calm and get all that out of the way before I go to work. Mm. And uh, so, I mean, as long as everyone's there at 6.30, they kind of wake up at their own time. Oh. You and a bullhorn, like, get out of bed. It's a little more free form and, like, open. Oh, I think our Wi-Fi just cut out. No. Yeah, lagging a little bit. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. There's some lag. The Army definitely underutilizes MFTs right now. Yep. Stretching is important. It is very important. Mm. I, I like this question um, from 6-7 Keebler. Keibler. Keibler. It says that rough making that comeback from COVID. Uh, Sergeant, you should cover how that affected your PT. Yeah. Oh, COVID yeah. versus PT what happens <laughs> I feel like COVID won the battle um it was, it was it was hard for us to go and work out without getting in trouble because there'd always be someone there be like hey you can't be around you know more than three people at a time it's like dude like at least we're doing the right thing and not just staying home like a lot of other people are we're actually trying you know be out here and all that stuff and I think through that you know a lot of people just kind of let themselves go and out of shape and now we're actually getting back into it with our unit. They just allowed 30 people um, in a group to, you know, work out at the same time. But, you know, got to be wearing our mask and all that stuff, which is the biggest, you know, improvement that I've seen. And, mm. yeah, I mean, one, one time, you know, I took my dudes and we all spaced out six feet and went on like a five-mile ruck. You know, hey, we're six feet apart. You know, it works. I think that would be a good motivator to keep pace because, you know, if you're behind somebody six feet and then you start slowing down, then everybody else has to slow down too. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Usually have a, a fat in the front and I'll be in the back making sure everyone's, you know, doesn't fall out on the way. Does the running ever get easier? Because I have to tell you, cardio is my least favorite thing and I have a really difficult time, like, motivating it, myself to It does at sea level. Um what the fuck? Something in your hair. Marshall? No, it's just my hair, man. Um, <laughs> sea level, uh, it does. But I noticed in Colorado, um, right now in Colorado Springs, we're around uh, 6,500 feet. And if you miss, like, what feels like three days off of, like, doing cardio, you start breathing hard again. Like, sometimes I go up and down the stairs, I'm like, <clears throat> holy shit. And, yeah. <laughs> I lived in Denver for about eight months, and at the time I wasn't very fit, but I just remember hiking up Pikes Peak and feeling like I I was outside of my body. Like, it's just, the, the elevation has a huge effect on it anyway. Yeah, and definitely. COVID was a terrible time, still is. Somebody said that Texas is completely back open. I'm I'm jealous. Here in Korea, we are masks and everything everywhere. Masks. Might have to go Shit. <laughs> I hate it. Hopefully, hopefully everything will go back to normal. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, when do you when do you hear back about your deployment? When will you know what's going on with that? Um, what, what do you mean? Like the my guys who are over there right now? Sure. Like, uh, when, when do you know what's your like next destination or your next project? Um, so I actually talked to the guy yesterday about that, who we call our branch manager. And my goal right now is I'm going to go to school in Virginia for about a month. Um, so I can get, mm -hmm. 
And then after that, uh, I decided to go be a drill sergeant. So I'd be the guy, you know, doing the shark attack that we talked about earlier. And it's just a good career step for me, you know, because when you have that, you're looked upon highly. And when it comes to selection for your next uh, pay grade, your rank, mm -hmm. all that. Right. It's a, it's a huge level up to be able to be in that position, not just to scream at newbies, but for lots of reasons. <laughs> yeah. I, what do you think of of doing the shark attack to other people like does it does it feel like like it's come full circle or is that something you feel comfortable doing oh i think it'd be fun as hell i just like fucking with these kids like hey up? Ah, just screaming i don't see how they react to it i would have a, a fun time doing it i think and uh also i'd like to think I, i'm a good teacher and uh you know it's like you play you know kind of like an asshole in the beginning, but you kind of soften up on them, you know, once they actually start to uh, learn. What is a shark attack? Hmm. So when you're in basic training and all the drill sergeants start screaming at you as soon as you get off the bus, and it's like your first, I guess, I don't know how long it was, maybe 17 hours of just being screamed at, you're doing wrong, everything you're doing, if you're doing it right, is wrong. <laughs> 72 hours, there you go. The SRAM attack. Charm. <laughs> I like that charm attack. Yeah, I, I hate to admit, but I, I think I'd probably have a lot of fun doing that. After being a teacher for a long enough period of time, I kind of feel like sometimes I, I get tempted to shark attack children. So, as <laughs> <laughs> right. I walk in the class in the morning, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Open up your book bag. Why are you talking to me like this? Oh my gosh. Well, good. This is a really, really fun conversation for me. Um, my last question for you, just because I'm curious, like the craziest, uh, I don't know the crazy is the right word. What's like the, the situation that sticks out in your mind as being like your most uh, exhilarating moment? Maybe exhilarating is a better word. Like I, I, in your... I think I... I I have a few. Um, I have three. Three things. Okay. Um, starting from the first one was when I uh, jumped out of airplanes at Airborne School. And uh, I had some, I think it's three or four weeks. You know, one week you just run. The second week they teach you how to fall correctly. And the third week you actually get to jump. Um, and you just, you know, you put on your uh, parachute, you're loading up into the back of a C-130 and you just feel it take off and you can, when they open the door, everyone's all lined up with a hand on each other and, you know, your other hand on your, uh, your line. And you just see people start going out, out, out. And as soon as you jump, the wind just hits you. And you're just thrown to the wind and your parachute opens correctly, hopefully. And if it doesn't, you're up here spinning, trying to get it open better. And uh, that was super fun. Mm -hmm. um, a second one would have to be what it was aerosol school and uh that is that was a fucking one of the best experiences um we got to rappel off of buildings rappel out of helicopters um to teach you different rappel uh like ways to do it you can go down face first or behind all that stuff and they also teach you how to properly do a load for the helicopter and make sure you find any deficiencies with it so when it needs to go up on the helicopter that was a, a very fun school and my best one was uh, when I was on call uh, for 
when Trump came into Korea and uh, we were on his, I guess, emergency details, what I would call it. Mm. And uh, we were all loaded up and ready to go for no whatever was about to happen. We didn't know. It was like, hey, this is the mission. If this happens, we're going here and doing this thing. And uh, mm. just the fact that at that point in time, you know, I was ready to do my job was just like writing on standby was it was great. You know, it feels good to do your job. Like I went out to Rodriguez uh, uh, firing range out in Korea and I got to do firefighting out there where we pick up water with a helicopter. We drop it down the fires, like doing that kind of stuff, actually doing my mission is what makes me like love the job so much. Also teaching new guys. I also became a teacher when I was in Korea for flight instructor. It's not like actual uh, instructor how to fly, but since I'm a crew chief, we do the like all the systems in the back. So, you know, we do aerial gunnery. We do the Bambi missions, which is where we pick up the water, put it out. Um, we do fries and spies. We'll pick people up like special forces, drop them on a building. They go down the ropes. We cut the ropes off and we fly away. You know, all that stuff is what's really most exhilarating. And it's like, whoa, I'm actually doing this shit. <laughs> it's like the fucking movies. Yeah. That's so cool. Like, I, the, I've never had that same experience on that level. I remember, like, rock climbing the first time that I ever rappelled down a rock face. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest thing I've ever done. Like, I can't, I can't even imagine, you know, being like, and we're jumping out of a helicopter. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. It must feel like a video game, but so much more exciting. <laughs> Yeah, the adrenaline rush is great, and there's nothing like it. That's why I want to go do, like, more schools and stuff like that, so. Opportunities to learn, new experiences to, yeah, and, and learn new skills. You know, earlier you mentioned that if somebody that is on your team, you know, if they know a skill, then you guys can use it. You know, if somebody knows Taekwondo, then that can be applied into the training in the morning. So having access to even more information I think gives you and them more tools to, you know, adapt and, and train and get ready for even more difficult situations should the need arise. So, yeah, you're yeah. always ready. <laughs> That's one thing I love about the Army because you get so many different people from so many walks of life and there's just so much information and so much stuff I learned and, you know, we got all these different people, you know, this guy knows so much about this and this guy knows a lot about this. And so, like, if you never need help with something, someone in your, like, area knows something about whatever you need help with. One of my friends I'm actually making my wooden bed with right now, he's, he used to be a carpenter, he used to build houses, so I'm doing that. I have a friend who college and, you know, he's really good with finances and he was showing me how to invest money and all that stuff. And, uh... You know, I have another friend who's like a gun nut and he's just, you know, he has all the cool guns and, you know, he knows how to, you know, do cool stuff with them and all that. So there's just a lot of information and it's just great because, you know, there's always going to be someone smarter than you in one aspect or another. And we find that around us and we utilize it and, you know, we conform it into like this one, the team, you know, and it makes us, you know, very strong at the end of the day. So it's like the. It's kind of like the the Steve Jobs approach where he he famously said once that he never wanted to be the smartest one in the room. He was always trying to like surround himself with people who had skills and abilities that he didn't have so that he can can kind of pick their brains and pull out, you know, the the biggest and and most juicy like skills and and details for technology. So 
I, I love that that concept applied to anything, but particularly for people that are, you know, in really high risk situations potentially and, and trying to complete your job well and protect you and other people, you know, while you're in the line of duty for sure. Um, yeah, this has been a really amazing conversation. Thank you so much for for coming today. I definitely learned a lot and I'm I'm glad that you know, you, you're in a good situation with not being in debt, with <laughs> not being in debt, doing something that you don't enjoy. Right? So it's yeah. a lot better. I actually went to go to an athletic trainer. I'm like, these guys don't make a lot over here. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's true. So you might as well get paid and do what you love. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The ability. Well, thank you so much. Um, definitely, I would love to have you on the show again if you if you want to come and talk anytime. You are always welcome here. I am and always down. I got plenty of stories. Yes, I love the stories. They're the fun part. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you, audience, as well, for coming. And I will post this on YouTube later. Uh, it'll be Friday, soul time, but Thursday for Western people. Send <laughs> me the link, and I'll post it on my stuff, too. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'll send you the video after too. <laughs> awesome. All right. All right. Thank you guys. We'll see you next time. Take it easy. Bye. Thank you everybody for coming to this episode of Savage with Silas. I will see you next week.